want to preach is always a God of love. He doesn't mean anything by it. You can be lazy all you want to and go to church and do all these things and He'll just love you. And He'll just carry you up. He will when you call out and cry out to His name. He will. That's what He said. But that's not where we need to be in our life all the time. We've got to be where we're spiritually built up to where we can, these things that come along as we was before, the disobedient, deceived, various lusts and pleasures, all those things that we're not there anymore. That we stop letting those things control our life as the body of Christ. Because we're still, we're, if you, if we look at the body of Christ as a whole, the church as a whole, and I'm not saying victory fellowship, I'm not calling anybody out, but it's not, it's, it's more the body of flesh instead of the body of Christ. I've seen videos the past few weeks of a particular church, and I think it's out in Oklahoma. I sent it to Bradley the other day. This man, we talked about it Wednesday night. This man standing in the pulpit, hundreds of people. He's got a big church. Of course he does, because he's not preaching truth. He's preaching what makes me feel good. So I can rest a little bit more. But he's in that he's talking and saying, he said, I don't, he said, if I would have, this is paraphrasing, if I would have been with God when he had creation, when he created man and woman, I'd have said, I would have. So he, he's putting himself with God Almighty as a human being, going to tell God, hey, would you, could, could we have an A, B, C, and D? He said, I don't know why there's just two. I would have made more. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? You're, you're deceiving the hearts and minds of people around to where they're not going to be strong spiritually and they're going to get defeated and knocked down and Satan's just laughing at them every time they walk out. Because it's false doctoring. You don't teach something like that. God said, no, we created man in my image. Woman, we created her in our image. Male and female created he them. And that's what he said. Nothing of this other stuff, but that's what's being taught in churches today. The same one had a huge performance for Easter Sunday. I'm talking about, I'll put it in normal terms, booty shaking, tight pants, all kinds of stuff, fire going up, singing all kinds of whatever songs. And he said, I've, I've only been a pastor for five years. I've never preached. I'd, I'd never preached the Easter service before. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I, I hollered at the TV screen when I saw it at my phone. I said, you preach about the salvation of Jesus and Him dying on the cross and saving us from our sins. How difficult is it to preach Easter sermon? If you don't know anything about how to preach Easter sermon, you know that. Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He went to the, he went to the tomb. He rose again on the third day and seated at the right hand of God. All so we could have grace and mercy in our life and save us from our sins. It's not that difficult. It's not rocket science. But he's up there. He said, they said, no, we're going to have an Easter program. He said, well, what do you want to do? He said, I want it to go as far right before sin. Right before sin. Because sin, in his mind, is different for everybody. So we're going to do all this stuff, a performance, and and show the world we're no different from them in our church. It's that watered-down version of what Jesus done for us. And they're doing nothing but warping people's minds of the, of the true nature of what Jesus was. That's all it's and And so, that's that's where we are. Why? Because... We've rested so long spiritually that we can't get up and move. We ever seen the, the TV show, My 600-Pound Life? 
These people are so big because they've been so lazy for so long they can't get up and move. It's no different in our spiritual life. We just sit down and we're not doing anything. And to get us up to move, it's like, just, just ain't feeling it. So when our spirit's that way, then our bodies and our mind, because Satan's working in our mind all the time, saying, just, just lay in bed today. You know that's all you want to do is just lay there. Just lay in bed, curl up, call out to work, give them a good lie, saying that you're not dead, but you're almost dead. This is something where they, it's believable. Tell them your 42nd granddad died or something, or the granddad died for the 42nd time. Something. Just make it believable and just lay there and, and cause you deserve this. You deserve to lay there and wallow in your self pity. You, de- you deserve to lay there and just, and just, just not do anything today. Just be all about you. Because that's what the world wants it anyway. It's all about you. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you feel better. No, the Word of God says if we go to Jesus and we make it all about Him, then our life, because we lay it down for Him anyway, just as He laid it down for us, then we'll know what actual living is. Then we'll know what actual love is. And then when when those thoughts come, we can say, no, I'm going to rise up in the name of Jesus this morning and I'm going to go proclaim Him in my life and not let the world know that and then see that I'm defeated even though I'm a Christian. I go to church. But all they see is a defeated person because they say, well, they're just depressed all the time. They just deal with stuff all the time. Just down in the mouth. Why? Because we're spiritually we're still resting. Spiritually we're just laid out and not doing anything. This is the body of Christ. Okay, this is us as a whole in the Western civilization of America. Because... Really, we want the blessings of God without the suffering. But how would you know if you're blessed if you never suffer? How do you know? We don't know what poverty is. And in my life, I've never seen true poverty. I've never seen just a bunch of bad stuff go on all the time in my life. I know that God's blessings are true and real. And I'm not saying that He's going to make things happen to you bad in your life so you can see His blessings. But guess what? We live in a world ruled by Satan. You're going to go through bad times. You're going to have bad things go on in your life. Through that, you can see the blessings of God. But if we, if we don't want any of the suffering in our life, sure, that's human nature. We don't want to lose life. We don't want pain and agony in our life. But as we go through them, we got two choices. You can look to God and rise up spiritually in your life and say, I'm not letting this bring me down. I'm not letting this defeat me. Or you can sit down like that 600-pound life and not do anything and be lazy and watch the devil trample all over you and things get worse and worse and worse and worse in your life. That's where we are as a society today. We do the latter instead of the former. We do more of the latter of sitting there and letting things just roll over us until we can't see anything else. And then finally we look to God. And sure, He's there to help us get fit and back in shape spiritually. Because guess what? The Word of God never left. The Word of God never changed. He never said, he never said, no, just because you get that way, I'm just going to leave you alone. No. He said, no, when you come to me, as we've already heard this morning, repent and turn from your ways and call unto me. He said, I'll answer you. He said, do these things for you. So we're resting spiritually instead of keeping ourselves built up. We want God to show up for us when we pray. We do. But 
we don't show up for Him. We show up for Him. Oh, I showed up for Him today on Sunday. No, you, you might have, but you're fooling yourself. Because here, you get built up, but it's out there where it matters. It's out there where it takes place also. So here we come to edify and lift up the name of Jesus and edify each other. Take times to pray for one another. You know, have, hey, I've got problems in my life. We can be real. And I, I thank God that we're at a church to where we can be real with other people. That we're not a bunch of superficial, playing church Christians. Sure, I have problems in my life. My wife sees it every day. And, and she still loves me. God sees it every day. I'm still working on things in my life, my marriage, my home, trying to make sure that I, I handle things right. I do things right. I do what God's called me to do the right way with this church and, and with you. And so do you see the real my attitude all the time? No, she can tell you no. It's like, no, you don't see him. Jerk. He's a jerk. I am. I'll admit it here in front of everybody. So that way, so if I admit it in front of everybody, she's not, she can't say nothing back. <laughs> I know how that works. Another 24 years of marriage, so. I learn slow, but I learn. We've got to come to a point just in First Peter, First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. First Peter 1 and 13. It says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Why? Paul talked, well, this is Peter, but Peter was the same way. But they, it was, there's several places in the New Testament after Jesus left to where they talked about our minds and, and what we let in and, you know, renewing our mind and renewing our spirits. Why? Because if, God, if Jesus is in our heart, right? We, we, we believe that Jesus is in our heart. Where is the one main place that the devil can work? Our minds. Our minds every day. And so Peter here says, Gird up the loins of your minds and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in your conduct, for it is written, Be you holy, for I am holy. Gird up the loins. So they used this term a lot back in those days, and I'm sure they may still use it over there in the Middle East where they wear the tunics and, you know, they have the robes on and stuff because what that meant, they didn't have blue jeans that they put on every day to go out to battle. They didn't have the camouflage pants they put on. None of that. So what, what they did is they would take that and, and make it almost like shorts, where they take that robe up and stuff it down in their undergarment right there, and make it almost like shorts where their legs could be free. And so when they were told, and, and I, I found this and read it, let me just read it. So back in the days, of, of both men and women wore flowing tunics. Around the tunic, they'd wear a belt or girdle. While the tunics were comfortable and breezy, the hem of the tunic would often get in the way when a man was fighting or performing hard labor. So when ancient Hebrew men had to battle the Philistines, they would lift the hem of their tunic up and tuck it into their girdle or tie it in a knot to keep it off the ground. The effect basically created a pair of shorts that provided more freedom and movement 
Thus, to tell someone to gird up your loins was to tell them to get ready for hard work or battle. That's what it means. When you read that, gird up the loins of your mind, it means, hey, there's a battle going on that you can't see right now, that you don't understand, but there's a battle spiritually going on for your mind and your thoughts and every your emotions and all about you. There's a battle going on right now. There's a battle going on as I'm preaching right now for you to accept the Word of God that's coming forth or for you to reject it. There's a battle going on spiritually that we don't, can't see and don't understand, but it's there. And He's telling us here, hey, gird up the loins of your mind. Well, how do I do that with the Word of God? How do I do that? But He says, no, I take every thought into captivity right now. I'm not going to dwell on these things. I'm not going to have this attitude. I'm not going to let these emotions rule my life and my day. I'm going to live by the Word of God. And, and so it goes on to say that, he said, in the ancient way of saying, man up. Man up. Men understand that. Women, man up. Woman up. However you want to say it. Be who God called you to be no matter what's going on in your life. And don't let your life be ruled by emotions. Because we know as men that you deal with more emotions and different things in your life and mind. And there's... There's more women that deal with anxiety than men, that deal with different things that come with their hormones being messed up and all that kind of stuff that men will never understand, thank God, and, and have to deal with, you know, besides dealing with y'all, we don't have to deal with them ourselves on a daily basis. There's men that deal with them. There's more women that do that. And say, why? Because Satan knows that if he can get you through your emotions and your mind, Mm. He can change your whole attitude. He can make you stop loving. He can make you question your whole existence. He can make you question your marriage, your children, whatever relationships you got going on. Why? Because he wants you. Because the devil, we talk about a lot, he loves chaos. He loves chaos. He doesn't want the home to be a sturdy place for anybody. He doesn't want it. Why? Because God set it in place. He wants to destroy us because God created us in His image. And He was once with God and, and right there at the side of God. And He knows He can never get back to that place and doesn't want us there at all. He wants us to spend eternity in hell away from God just as He is. When we know when we can, and we've learned and said this before that God did not create hell for man. He created it for Satan and those one-third of the angels that fell down with Him. We choose to go by rejecting God. And so... He doesn't, he didn't create it. So it's time for the body of Christ to man up and be the men and women of God that he's called us to be and stop going with the flow and wanting to listen to, oh, some make me feel good message because that's not what I'm here for. I want to edify and bring you up, but I want a church to where I can pastor. And I've told people this, that, that sure, we've, we've grown in numbers, but what we've grown in, and I can tell it in your lives and see it every day. And the things that you talk and say is your spiritual life has grown. And you're becoming more mature in that. And that's what it's all about. Not coming here so you can feel good for a little bit, but you can go out and you can be who God called you to be. And they'll say, not that you go to Victory Fellowship Church, but they'll say, no, that's a child of God. That's where we got to be. That's where we need to be in our lives. So we have to be on constant guard from, our, from attacks from Satan every day. So it's time to man up. Paul tells us, and the one way that we're going to do this is to abstain from things in this world. 
things in this world that make us feel good. We talk about it a lot, and we'll talk about it some more, more than today. But we know where sin originates from, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's part of that girding up the loins of our mind, girding up those things to where we can recognize when those things are coming in and they're trying to attack us and, and make us see different than what we're supposed to be doing and we can speak the name of Jesus against that and then go on and, and rise up and, and be who God called us to be. He tells us in Paul in First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Be happy always. Is that what it says? Does it say be happy always? Do you know why? How many is happy all the time? You're not. Because happy is an emotion. I can say I'm happy right now. I'm doing what I'm doing what I love to do. I'm happy at this moment. But he says rejoice always. Rejoice. Have joy always. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know what the devil can't stand? Is when we're in the middle of something in our life that he knows is hard for us. And it's an obstacle. It's whatever. You can, whatever's going on right now to what's happened in the past. And when you stop and rejoice in the Lord, he can't stand it. Why? Because it, God, I thought I had them. I thought I had them at this time. I thought I could really bring them down at this point. But they're up there rejoicing in the Lord. They're up there girding up their minds. They're up there rebuking me. How can I, how can I do it again? How can I bring something against them? He'll bring something new the next time. He'll bring something a little different way the next time to try to sneak in there to get us again. But he says, pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. What is evil? Anything against God. Anything against God's will is evil. Sin is evil. Anything about it is evil. We, we've got to stop tampering and just dabbling in stuff that makes us fall away. I mean, teenagers, you should know. I, 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 I knew this, but didn't live by it. It's not great to follow the crowd. When we know where the crowd's going, but yet it looks fun. It does. does. Sin looks fun because if sin didn't look fun, we wouldn't want to do it. So sin looks fun. But we know the end result of it is death and destruction every time. And I'm not saying you physically die, but a piece of you goes away. A piece of you dies. A barrier is built up. When relationships are built and these things happen in relationships and that, that one after the other, after the other, after the other, and it just builds up wall after wall emotionally to where you can't let the one that God has for you come in and be who you need to be with them. And so abstain from every form of evil. Stop tampering those things. Following the crowd and doing the things that, that, that we know is wrong in our life. Pat said, and just for a second this morning, I got it big bold letters in my notes. Stop justifying sin. Did y'all hear, did y'all hear me back there? Stop justifying sin. If you know what's wrong in your life, if you know that, that God's dealt with you on these things, and guess what? To you it's a sin. James 4.17. I know I'm a little out of order. 
But we'll, well, not really. We'll start James 4, 13. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? And that guy's he's not saying here, don't make plans, okay? Just you better live day by day and don't make any plans for the future. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's just read on. For what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? That's where we are in this earth. Whether you live two years or 102 years, it's just a vapor. It's gone like that. We don't know. Tomorrow is not promised to us. So while we're in today, we need to live in today and do God's will today to where we'll be ready to do it tomorrow in our life also. Because we're built up today and we stay strong today. Guess what? Tomorrow we can be even stronger. So... He says, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your, in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him, to you, to me, that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's a sin. So if you're holding on to your things in your life this morning that God has dealt with you on, whatever it may be, and you may think, well, that's not big, but it's an area of disobedience in your life if you're holding on to it. And you're not letting those things go. And the whole and that you know what that is when it comes to you? That's called conviction. When you when 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 God deals with you on something, He's convicting you and saying, You need to get rid of that in your life. And that's where we get, nah, that's where the justifying comes in. Because then at that point the devil's like, Well, here's a good reason why you're doing it. And you can keep on doing it. And this is why. You just justify it every time. Well, God, you know, just it's it's okay. So, again, we're just no different than the preacher that's telling God that he was going to say we, we, could, we could make anything we want. Because he, I forgot he did say in that, that he would tell God, well, maybe you got that person wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you wasn't supposed to be a man or a woman. Maybe you, you, can, you can be whatever you want. Anyway, so to him that knows do good and does it not, to him it's a sin. So He's convicting us of things. And when He convicts us, it's time for us to change. It's time for us to make a difference. To show a difference in our life. To, to say, I'm tired of this in my life and I need to let it go. I need to ask God to forgive me and truly repent and turn and walk the other way from. And so, when we do these things, we can boldly speak the name of Jesus. And we can, when they come back up, because they will, because they will, they'll come back up. And say, no, I'm not doing that. Just as Pat's talking about drinking is not a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Okay? Whether God's dealt with you on that or not, the Word of God says it's a sin. We talked about this before. And things in our life, whatever it may be, that... And I had it wrote down. I had a bunch of lists wrote down. Give me a second. Homosexuality is a sin. Living a homosexual lifestyle is a sin. Fornication of any kind is a sin. Adultery is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. Do we need to go on? Lying is a sin. Gossiping is a sin. Gluttony is a sin. I mean, we can we, we go for the big things first, right? But anything that's a wall or a barrier between you and your relationship with Jesus is a sin in your life that you need to get rid of. 
And it's an area of disobedience. Disobedience is a sin. There's sins in our life that we need to get rid of. But a lot of times we don't want to speak openly and publicly about them because we're ashamed of them. And then we don't want to do anything about it because we don't speak up about it and then more justification in our life comes along. And we try to justify more and more about what we're doing is okay. When the Word of God plainly tells us that it's not okay. It's not okay to do these things. Paul in Romans chapter 12, we know this, we've read it here a lot. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. You don't have to turn to be up on the screen. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. You, not, not me as pastor. Sure, I'm supposed to. But you are supposed to also present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be what? Conformed to this world. Conformed to the world. Do not look like the world. Do not act like the world. Do not keep doing the things of the world. Though we live here, we don't have to keep doing the things day after day that we know are wrong in our life. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may prove that. David, after, after he, you know, he was a man after God's own heart. But we know his sin with Bathsheba, right? We know what happened. We know that lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life had her husband sent to the front lines and killed so he could be with this woman and and so everything about it was wrong and sin and david knew it david knew what he was doing wrong just as we do a lot of times we know we're doing wrong but we go ahead and do it anyway but in, in psalms chapter 51 we're going to read these verses right here this is what david wrote right after his sin with Bathsheba. and this is where david was convicted for what he'd done wrong it says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, or blot out my sins. Wash me thoroughly from iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. It says, For I acknowledge my transgressions. He acknowledged them. That means he spoke out loud about them. He didn't keep it secret. God knows what you're doing, whether anybody else does or not. And you, you, we, we find it so easy to think we can hide things from God in our life. Because he's not standing right there beside us. So he said, And my sin is always before me. Against you and only you I have I sinned. And, and, and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak. And blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin of my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire the truth, the inward parts. Truth in the inward parts. In here. God wants the truth in your life, inside and out, and for it to be showing inside and out. And in the hidden parts, you will make me, make me to know wisdom. I like this, purge me with the hyssop and I shall be clean. Cleanse me. He says, he says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear the joy of gladness that these bones that you have, that you have broken may rejoice. When are you going to fully repent and come before Jesus when you are broken and you allow God to piece you back together just as He wants to? That's when that true repentance and, and that true relationship with Jesus comes into effect. When we are so broken and so distraught from our sin and everything in our life that's wrong and we say, God, fix me. Put me back together as you would. Not as me, but as you would. And He says... 
He said, I said, cleanse me. So it's, cleansing is that repentance. Washing us whiter than snow. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Jesus, take control of my life. Re- remove everything from me. He said, make me hear the joy and gladness that these bones you have broken from every joy. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me, or a right spirit. Renew that in us. That's to be our prayer today. Renew those things in us. Renew that spirit within us. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, restore to me the joy of your salvation. A lot of us have lost the joy from when we got saved. We've lost where we was at when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've lost that because we let other things crowd in. And uphold me with your generous spirit. That's just a prayer of repentance from David right there that we can learn a lot from. And there's nothing wrong with us saved. We can go to Psalms 51 and pray this prayer for ourselves. And pray this over us. You can do it personally with you. You can go to Psalms 51, 1 through 12 and read that chapter and say, God, I'm broken before you right now. I repent. I, t- I want to turn from these ways. Just cleanse me right now. And this is something we need to do every day in our life to where we're renewing our spirit. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to renew us inside every day to where the tax of the devil come along that's going to come along every day, today and throughout, that we will know that we're girded up that our loins are girded up, our minds girded up, our spirits girded up to where we're ready to fight the battle that was in front of us every day that comes along in our life. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand this morning. As we're here this time, As the music plays, take just a few minutes and ask God what it is that you're holding on to in your life. A lot of us, I know in my life, I don't even have to ask Him because I already know what it is. So we know what we're holding on to. But then take time. You can, you can pray in your seat. You can come here to the altar. I'll pray with you. That you can let these things go in your life. And be the man or woman of God that God's called, that God wants you to be. We don't have to be timid and shy when we go out of here. We don't have to, we don't have to be another person than what God's called us to be. So as the music plays, y'all just take some time to pray right now.